Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by frederickSDAchurch.org. For those of you that don't know, we are in the middle of a sermon series on prayer, a life of prayer, making prayer a more integral part of our lives. You know, as Christians, we say that prayer is important. We say that prayer works, that prayer uh, is powerful. We say that it has to be. You know, when when you say um, to a Christian, in your journey, what is one of those important things in your journey? Almost always at the top of the list with Bible study and service and worship, you will hear prayer. Prayer is that important. But as I have said here before, they took a poll. They took a poll among Christians several years back, and the results came back pretty staggering. A Christian spends an average of, does anybody want to guess? Six seconds in prayer a day. Now, that sounds pretty unbelievable. And I know that there are some of you sitting here today saying, wait a second, I pray more than six seconds a day. I mean, I'm sure my prayers at lunch and at breakfast, lunch and dinner, at least five seconds. So, I mean, there we're up to 15 seconds, right? And I know that there are some others sitting here saying, whoa, whoa, that doesn't make sense. I pray 30 minutes or 15 minutes every morning or I spend an hour in prayer and meditation. And, and, and I, I know that there are some of us here that do that. But what this study shows it, is that there is a huge bulk of Christians who aren't spending time in prayer at all. And as a result, brings the average down to six seconds a day. How many of you took it? Don't need to show your hands, but how many of you took advantage of this last Thursday? The National Day of Prayer. Now, last week when I asked you the question, I did ask you for a show of hands. You remember, and I said, how many of you know what this coming Thursday is? And there were a few hands that came up, and not many of you knew that this Thursday, this past Thursday, was the National Day of Prayer. And I had a lovely time Thursday morning as I gathered with some of uh, the county's dignitaries at Dutch's Daughter and, and uh, some of the spiritual leaders of, of uh, our city here in Frederick. We got together and we got to hear a powerful testimony and we spent some time in prayer and it was, it was really a lovely time together. And, and uh, I thank uh, the, the, the committee for the invitation uh, to be a part of that. Um, but just a wonderful time. And, and remember last week I also shared about the seven centers of power that I, I hope you prayed through this week. And does anybody remember what th- today is? Today we're sh- we should be praying for our, our families. That's right. We should be praying for our families, our immediate family, our sons, our daughters, our fathers, our mothers, our grandparents, our cousins, our extended family. We need to be praying for those maybe that have left the church or, or maybe those that need to, to come to church or, or to meet Jesus Christ and make Jesus a part uh, of their life. We need to be praying for our families. We need to be praying for the unity of our family here in America, that the family unit be restored and strengthened and, and uphold the family unit. So today... Find some time to join the millions of Christians across this country who are praying for our families. 
And remember last week I said this is a great cycle to start all over again. This is a great cycle to start all over again. And so tomorrow, Sunday, we can start that cycle again and pray for our government and our government leaders. And if you want more information on that, just go to the website, um, the National Day of Prayer uh, taskforce.com. Um, just go to that website and you'll be able to read all about these centers of powers that we ought to be praying for on a regular basis. But prayer is an important thing in our lives, especially as Christians. But yet, prayer seems to be one of those things that is confusing. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we don't know when we should be praying. Sometimes we get discouraged when we pray and and we don't get what we want or what we've been asking for. And we think that prayer is a waste of time. And and we feel as though, you know, I just don't have the time to spend in prayer. And so prayer becomes one of these things that it's important. We know it's important. We know that we ought to be doing it. But yet it kind of gets placed in the back burner or it gets placed on the shelf and and we don't spend that time that's necessary to pray. You know, Mrs. White in her writing says something very interesting and I'm paraphrasing, but she says that if the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, a a man who, who, who put down his divinity, a man who had a relationship with God like this, if Jesus found within himself the need of prayer. I mean, we read how much Jesus spent in prayer. He would get up early in the morning before the sun would even come up and he would go and spend time in prayer. Sometimes we read how he spent the whole night in prayer. And Landon White says that if Jesus Christ, the son of God, had the need to pray, how much more do we feeble, weak, sinful human beings need to pray. We need to pray. And she goes on to say that if you feel like not praying, that's when you need to pray. In other words, if you get to the point in your life where you're like, oh, I don't want to pray or I don't need to pray, she says, no, no, stop. That is an indication that that is when you really need to amp up your prayer life. But prayer is one of those things that's confusing sometimes, right? It's a little bit awkward sometimes. Sometimes we're in a, in a circle and, and uh, you know, or maybe around mealtime and, and you know it's coming, right? You, you know it's coming. It's time to pray. And, and maybe you're kind of standing back thinking, man, I hope they don't call on me. Whew, it's a good thing we invited the pastor today. Pastor, would you please lead us out in prayer? You know, I thought about this this week. And I think I'm going to start doing this. I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to follow through with it or not. But I, I, I think next time I'm asked to pray at someone's home, you know, been, having been invited to their home for a meal, I'm going to say, you know, I think prayer is so important. Can I have two other volunteers to pray along with me? See what happens. What is, should I do it? Can I have three? Can, can we all go around in a circle and, and think? See what happens. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I, I'm contemplating it. But it's awkward sometimes, right? 
And, and like I said last week, I think sometimes pastors do such a disfavor to the, to the congregation, to members, to, to people on this journey. Because sometimes, you know, pastors get up front and they have such eloquent, beautiful prayers. And, and they just go on and they use these flowery words. And, and you know, it, it gets to the point sometimes where, where people feel, wait a second, I can't pray that good. Right? And so when we're asked to pray, we say, oh, no, wait a second. Surely there's someone in this circle that can pray better than me. As if that's what prayer is all about. I mean, prayer really isn't about going to God to ask for things. Prayer really isn't about um, saying the right words or saying just the right thing. Prayer, as I've said before, is about communion with God. It's about that relationship with him. It's about spending that time with him. Prayer can be frustrating sometimes. And you know, not just today. In fact, you go 2,000 years ago and the disciples were struggling with this issue, with this topic of prayer. Because they too, the disciples, yep, the disciples went to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. We're hearing you pray. We see the way that you're praying. We've heard the Pharisees and the religious leaders, how they pray. And there's something special. There's something significant. There's something different about the way that you pray. And so the disciples go to Jesus and say to him, teach us how to pray. And so today we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Again, thank you so much. That was just beautiful. That was just wonderful. But today we're going to take a close look at the Lord's Prayer and we're going to kind of dissect it today. Because as you look at the Lord's Prayer, there are several ingredients in that prayer alone that will help spice up your prayer life. In other words, if you would like to spice up your prayer life, and you remember last week my goal of this series is to take you wherever you are in your prayer life and just amp it up a little bit. Just push you a little bit closer. Just have you pray just a little bit more. And in the Lord's Prayer, there are ingredients that we find that will help spice up your prayer life. Now, it's interesting. A lot of people think that the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave, was a, a totally new, a totally radical, uh, completely um, never before found prayer. But the reality is, is that the prayer of Jesus is a prayer that m- most everything in that prayer is found in the Old Testament. And not only in the Old Testament, but in other Jewish writings. In other words, what Jesus did was, what he did was, he took some elements and he stripped it down to the basics and said, here you go. He stripped it down to the basics, to the basics so that a child can understand it. Because if, as we will read in just a second, what had happened was that prayer became this elaborate, complicated thing that was only left to the religious leaders and only the religious leaders can do this. But Jesus says, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Prayer is about communion with God. 
Prayer is about a relationship with God. And so he takes these principles, he brings these ingredients and he brings them together and he strips it down and he says, here is a pattern that you can follow. And I'd like for you to turn and uh, to, to follow me here in Matthew chapter six. We're actually going to start with verse five because I want to give you a little bit of the background. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. That they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And if you remember, that was principle number one from last week. Is that when you come before God, come before God openly. As you are. Not as a hypocrite. God wants to spend time with you. Not an imposter. Not some character from some movie. He doesn't want walls or masks. No, he wants to spend time with you. So don't be like the hypocrites. Come to him as you are. That was principle number one of last week. Verse six, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Principle number two, find time to spend that one-on-one time with him. That was principle number two of last week. Is to find that one-on-one time that you can spend with your heavenly father. And that one-on-one time could be just before you rush into the house. You've just driven up to your driveway. You've just pulled into the, into the garage before hustling into the home. Just turn off the radio in that quiet moment. Just spend a few moments with him. Before heading out, do the same thing in the car. Or you may need to go for a walk, but find that time to spend that one-on-one time for God. That was principle number two of last week. Principle number three of last week, I'm not going to tell you. If you'd like to know, then I won't invite you to go to our website and download it. Little plug for our website. Or check out the, the guys in the sound room. They'd be glad to make you a copy of last week's message. We continue reading verse seven. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And then in verse 9, it says, in this manner, therefore, pray. I'm going to give you a pattern. I'm going to give you some ingredients that you can apply to your prayer life to spice it up a little bit. Now, there are a few Christians out there, not many, but there are a few that believe that this is the only prayer that we should pray word for word. That here, God gives us a command and says, this is the only prayer that you ought to pray. And we know that's not true. There are many other prayers in Scripture. There are many other instances of prayer in Scripture. And this word here, pray in this manner, in this manner, has the tense in the Greek is a pattern. It means a pattern. We're giving you a guideline. These are some suggestions of how you can pray. Here are some ingredients, some principles, some elements, however you want to call it. Here are some ingredients that you can apply to your prayer life. Now, let me remind you as we go through these ingredients here in just a second, that this doesn't mean that every prayer you pray has to have all of these ingredients. 
all right? It doesn't mean that every time you pray, all of these ingredients need to be present. It doesn't mean that you have to pray these ingredients in this order. No. God doesn't want to box you in. God doesn't want to, to, to put so, so many rules and regulations that, that you, you, you're confined in your prayer life. No. These are ingredients that he's given you so that you can apply to your prayer life. And you may choose to, to concentrate on one of these ingredients for two days, three days, maybe a week. You may then move on to the next ingredient. And spend another week on that one ingredient. Just focusing on that one ingredient. And and so on. You could obviously include all of these ingredients in one prayer. But you don't need to. This is just he's giving you ideas. He's giving you ingredients that you can apply to your prayer life to spice it up. And so here on the second part of verse 9. We read ingredient number 1. And it says this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Ingredient number one, recognition. Recognizing who you are approaching. Recognizing who it is that you are going before. And there are three things here. One, our Father. Two, in heaven. Three, hallowed be thy name. I'm going to talk about two, three, and then I'm going to go back to one. But here, recognizing who we're approaching, he says, in heaven. That's right, in heaven. We are approaching the uncontested, unrivaled, heavyweight champion of the universe, God with a capital G. He, the creator of the universe, God Almighty, He is the one that we are approaching in prayer. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke things into existence. God, the Holy One. That is who we are approaching. Now, that will do two things. One, it'll put God in his rightful place. Secondly, it'll put us in our place, right? As we approach this God, this infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, as we approach this, this heavyweight champion of the, of the universe, with a cap, God with a capital G, as we approach him, we realize, uh-oh, I'm pretty insignificant here. I'm pretty weak. I'm pretty frail. I'm a sinner. It puts us in our place. The third thing here that we read is hallowed be your name or holy is your name or blessed be your name. There's several translations out there. But you see, in our culture, name really doesn't mean that much. I mean, here recently there has been a trend of trying to find names that uh, have a special meaning, you know. Uh, But for the most part, you know, we pick names on does it sound good? 
you know, how, how does it sound? Yeah, it sounds mean. It sounds masculine or it sounds feminine or no, I don't like that name. It reminds me of that one guy that I went to school with my junior year. No, I don't like that name. Or, or we think, no, no, we don't want that name because then they could add this other word to it and they would be making fun of it. No, no, we, we don't want that name, right? That's how we usually pick names, right? A, a very, um, uh, you know, kind of external, um, you know, view of picking names. But in Bible times, picking a name was a big deal. And it didn't matter how it sounded. I mean, if you have a hard time believing me, just read the Old Testament. I mean, there are some wacky names out there, right? I mean, Rehoboam, really? Really? Rehoboam? I apologize if there's any Rehoboams out there, but, you know, that's not a name that I would want to pick, you know. But the meaning, that's what was important, was the meaning. And so here Jesus gives the meaning to God. You see, because back then they would pick a name, parents would pick a name that would oftentimes um, tell of a characteristic or a, a trait that they hoped their son or daughter, that their child would then live out. And so they would name them something that meant happiness or joy or mighty one or chosen one. And here Jesus gives a very interesting uh, um, attachment to the name of God. He says, holy is his name. Not that the name of God is holy, but that God himself is holy. That God himself is divine. That he is holy. He is pure. He is perfect. So you couple that with the number two, unrivaled, uncontested, heavyweight champion of the universe. God with a capital G. Divine and holy is his name. You know, as a Seventh-day Adventist, when I read that, my mind went all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 2 when God says that he created the heavens and the earth in six days, but the seventh day he rested and hollowed it. He made it holy. He made that day. Before there were Jews around, before sin had even entered the universe, he took that day and he made it what? He made it holy holy. And here Jesus says of God, God is holy. He is divine. The number one thing of our recognition of God, as we read here, it says our father, our father. Our, I mean, isn't that a little bit too intimate? I mean, wait a second. We just finished describing the God of the universe, the uncontested, unrivaled God. And he starts off by such an intimate word, such an intimate phrase. He says, our Father who art in heaven. You know, when you look back at the creation story, when you look back and you see how God spoke everything into existence, right? But when it got to mankind, when it got to the human race, when it got to Adam, he took a different approach, did he not? He didn't just say, let there be Adam, let there be man, let there be woman, poof. No, uh uh-uh. He took a different approach. He took a very intimate approach in the creation of mankind. 
He knelt down and out of the dust of the ground, he formed, he built, he intricately formed man. And then in a very intimate move, he, he breathed his spirit into that man. And that man became a living being, a very intimate moment. Our father. You know, to this day when I go home, to this day when I go home, um, in, in the closet of, uh, of my room, not my room, I've never slept there. It's my mom's new home, but all my furniture and all my stuff, not that I have much stuff, but it went to that room. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, one of the things that made it into that room was um, a, um, an architecture. I took an architectural drafting course in high school, and I built a model home you know, and it's, I think I did a pretty good job, actually. I think I would have made a great architect. But, I mean, you know, I, I labored. I mean, I spent time. I mean, I put those little sticks and I glued and I pasted and I put it together and I formed it and I have it to this day. Why? Because it's mine. I created it. And now I want you to think of our heavenly Father, the God of the universe, taking the time to paste glue intricately put us together that is a picture of an intimate God who wants to have an intimate relationship with you and so Jesus says when you come to God come to God and say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Now, before I move on, I have to address one thing because I know that there are some people here who are struggling identifying our Heavenly Father with their heavenly, their their earthly Father. There may be someone listening here today who, who hasn't had that relationship with their Father here on earth and they're having a hard time kind of making that connection because, you know, we live in a sinful world. And we live in a world where where fathers walk out. We live in a world where fathers abuse. We we live in a world, in a sinful world, where where our fathers aren't always the best example. And and you're you're having a hard time saying, how can I call my heavenly father, father, when my father here on earth has has hurt me so badly and and he's done so many horrible things to me and my family and, 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 and my mother. But can I just encourage you to do one thing? Can I just encourage you to think of the ideal? Just think of the ideal. Just think of what you want your father to be. Just think of him. Just think of what he should have been. Just think of what he should be to you right now. And I know that every one of us here today have that ideal. The reason we have that ideal, the reason why sometimes we we struggle with our relationship with our fathers on earth is because we have that ideal. And they're not meeting up to that ideal. And so can I just encourage you that when you think about God, our heavenly father, that you think about the ideal. You think about the ideal That my Father in heaven will never walk out on me. That my Father in heaven will never abuse me. That my Father in heaven cherishes me and I am the apple of his eye. That my Father in heaven will never leave me nor forsake me. And he is here to hold, hold me up and build me up. That is the ideal. That 
is the picture that we need to have of our Heavenly Father. Ingredient number one, if you want to spice up your prayer life, recognize God for who he is. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We continue reading here in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here it is, ingredient number two. Ingredient number two, if you want to spice up your prayer life, ingredient number two, surrender. Surrender your life over to him. Acknowledge him, and by doing so, you acknowledge your weaknesses, and the very next step is surrender. Surrender your will, surrender your plans, surrender your thoughts to him. Not my will, but your will be done. After all, he's infinite. He's all-knowing. Surrender to him. Last night, we spent about an hour here. We had such a beautiful time as we called some of the elders to come together to have an anointing on Heather, my wife. We had such a beautiful time together as we came before God and we prayed to him. You know, the Bible says that we should come before God and share with him the desires of our hearts. And we did that. Man, we poured our hearts out and we said, God, this is the desire of our hearts. Our desire is that Heather be cured from this. Our our desire is that you hold her up, that you uplift her. That is our desire, but not our will. Let your will be done. Because we want to surrender our lives to you. We want our lives to be in your hands. Because we know that that is the best place it can be. You have our best interest in mind. You are in control. You know the beginning to end. You are the alpha and the omega. We surrender our lives to you regardless the outcome. Because we know you have a plan for our lives. You know, when Jesus, the night before his crucifixion, he's there kneeling in the garden of Gethsemane and he shared with God the desires of of his heart. And he said, God, I don't think I can do this. God, is there any other way to save the human race? I mean, is there any other way? Can you please allow this cup to pass by me? Is there any other way but... I surrender. Not my will, but your will be done. Ingredient number two, we must surrender our will, our plans. We must surrender our all to God. Listen, you want your prayer life to go to a whole other level? I mean, you really want to spice it up? You spend some time surrendering to God. Ingredient number two, surrender your life over to God, your plans, your thoughts, your, your, your everything. Surrender it over to him. Ingredient number three, we read here in verse 11 and verse 12. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. First part of verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, there are three things going on here. 
all of which I could have spent an entire sermon series tackling each one of these. But what's at the core of all of these three things is petition. It is a request. It is a request to God. And that is the third ingredient of prayer is petition. And with petition and supplication, the Bible says, make your request known before God. And so here he petitions God for the first thing. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice this day, right? We're not so much worried about the bread that we're going to eat today, right? Usually what what worries us is, hey, what am I going to eat tomorrow or next week or next month or, you know, uh, 20 years from now? Am I going to be able to retire? How's my bank account? How's my 401? Those are the things we worry about, right? We worry about the tomorrow, but here Jesus brings it to the present and he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, there's much textual Um, evidence here to support the physical need of daily bread, but I, I need to also add to this perhaps the spiritual aspect as Jesus says, I am the bread of life. To ask for Jesus, to, for that spiritual aspect, although the, the context here certainly refers to the physical elements of life to provide for our daily needs, our daily provisions. And then the third, the second thing that he asked for here is, and forgive us our debts, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I could have spent a whole sermon series on that, and I'm seriously contemplating doing so in the fall. So stay tuned. (laughs) We'll be looking at this a little more closely later on this year. But forgive us our debts. The Bible says if we confess our sins before God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But he reminds us, listen, I will forgive you the way that you forgive others. The grace and mercy that you extend towards others, that is the grace and mercy that I will extend to you. The way that I have loved you, the way that I have forgiven you, that's how I want you to go and love and forgive others. More on that this fall. But he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one here praying for protection, for guidance, praying that God place a hedge of protection around us, that, that, he, that he keep us not, that he holds us back from temptation, and that he protects us from the evil one. And ingredient number three reminds us that it's okay to pray and request To come before God with the desires of our hearts and ask for the things that are heavy on our hearts. And and say to him, God, listen, I I want, or God, I need, or God, I think you should. God, please, uh, uh, I see no other way. I mean, uh, it looks so logical to me. Can, Can you please just help me out in this situation? But, ingredient number two, not my will. Your will be done. So ingredient number one, we recognize who God is. Ingredient number two, we surrender our lives over to him. Ingredient number four, we request of him the things that are heavy on our hearts, the petitions on our heart. And ingredient number four, we read the second half of of verse 13 says, For yours is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Ingredient number four, praise. You praise God for his goodness. You praise God for who he is. You praise God for what he has done in your life. You praise God for the way that he has led in your life. You praise God for the promises in his word. You praise God that he is coming back to take us home and that he's going to rid this world of sin. You praise God for the things in your life that are praised worthy. And he certainly is praiseworthy. You need to spend time praising God for who he is and what he's done and what he is going to do in your life. Now, some of your versions out there will not have that last part that I read. I'm reading from the New King James Version and my version there at the very end says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But there are a lot of versions out there that leave that portion out. Not good, not bad, indifferent. The, the thing is, is that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Greek manuscripts out there. Some manuscripts have this passage included in it. Some manuscripts don't have it in them. So depending on the translators, depending on what manuscripts they choose to translate will determine whether or not that phrase gets plugged in. Now, there is strong textual evidence that that was not in the original. Because if you read the account in the Gospel of Luke, the other place where the Lord's Prayer is mentioned, the Gospel of Luke does not include that last portion there. It's not wrong. It's a biblical statement. You can find it throughout Scripture. So it's not, you know, an unbiblical thing. It's there. And it's important for us to recognize that this can be and is an ingredient of prayer. That we come before God with our praise. Now let me just share with you just a few words of encouragement. Because I hope that you can take these four ingredients and apply them to your prayer life. To spice it up. All right, But I want to challenge you to do one thing. That as you apply these ingredients to your prayer life, that you take a balanced approach. Okay? Take a balanced approach in applying these ingredients into your prayer life. In other words, don't spend 90% of your prayer life with ingredient number three. Asking, 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 and then you spend... 2% acknowledging God for who he is, maybe 3% praising him, and then you're right back to the 90% asking, 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 asking. My challenge to you is that you apply these ingredients to your prayer life to spice it up, but that you balance it out because this is what will happen, all right? And I'm going to go to the other extreme just to prove my point. But if you were to spend 90% of your prayer life, acknowledging God for who he is and what he's done. And and you spend 90% of your prayer life acknowledging him and recognizing him, okay? What do you think that's going to do with the ingredient of petitions? You're going to see it in a whole different light, right? In other words, If you spend time recognizing who he is, your petitions might go. 
But if you don't know God, if, you, if you're having a hard time recognizing who he is and what he's done, and you don't trust him or have faith in him, or, and you don't know the things that he's done, what's that going to do? Your petition list is going to grow and grow and grow. And so my challenge to you is this, that as you apply these ingredients to your prayer life, that you balance it out. That you spend just as much time praising God, that you spend just as much time recognizing him, that you spend just as much time surrendering your life, your plans, your thoughts, your family, your finances, that you spend time surrendering that over to him and that you spend just as much time then asking God, hey, this is what's on my heart. This is what I want. This is what I desire. I pray here today that we all leave this place with a renewed sense of of just wanting to commune with God and that we can apply these ingredients, that we can throw these ingredients into the pot, right? That we can throw these ingredients into our prayer life. It's only going to spice it up. It's going to make it so much better that we can throw these ingredients into the pot, that, into our prayer life to spice it up. But I challenge you, oh man, I challenge you, balance, even it out. Spend equal enough time with each of these. And yeah, you may spend a whole week just recognizing God for who he is. I am going to fast from asking God from anything. And I'm just going to spend a whole week recognizing God for his goodness and his love and his mercy and what he has done. I am going to spend a whole week surrendering my life to him. I am not going to ask for one thing. All I'm going to do is I am going to surrender. That's the only thing. God, help me to surrender. How can I surrender? I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my plans, my job, my family, my, my, my relationships. I'm surrendering it. I'm surrendering my life. You spend a whole week surrendering and then go spend a whole week asking God, hey, this is the things in my life that are important right now. And these are the things that I need These are the things that I want. Spend that time and then spend a week just praising God for his goodness. So however you decide to divvy it up, you know, one day, or maybe you decide that you're going to spend 15 minutes on each or that you're going to incorporate each one of these ingredients in one prayer or however you decide to do it, have fun with it. Don't get into a a rut, a routine. Change it up from week to week, month to month, year to year. Change it up. Be creative. God's giving you a mind. Be creative with it. Change it up. Mix it up. But be balanced in your approach. And I promise you that if you include these three ingredients into your prayer life, it's going to take off. It's going to go to a whole other level. You're going to spice it up. You're actually going to enjoy spending that time with him. So I'm challenging you. Incorporate these ingredients into your life and approach it in a balanced way. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at fredericksdachurch.com. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 